I'm excited for what this Sunday afternoon word is going to be. We're going to welcome up our location pastor, Pastor Timothy George, to share the word with us today. Thank you, Pastor Timothy. Why don't we welcome him up? Thanks, Joel. Let's pray, church. God, we just thank you for bringing us here today, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for everything you are, Lord. And we just pray, Father, that as we come with a kneeled posture before you today, God, as we come, Lord, to declare you king over us, Father, and for us to submit before you, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this word will go into the depths of our being, Lord, and will just make us more like you, Father. We praise your holy name, Lord. We declare you good and us bad, Father. You are above our ways, Father. So much higher than us, Father. Bless this word, Lord. Bless this spiritual meal that we're about to take. Amen. Grab a seat. When I was in kids' church the other week, I had the privilege of um, being able to talk to them about the different names of God. Um, And for those that might not have heard that idea of, you know, a spiritual meal, you know, some of the names for Jesus that he said is, is that he is the bread and that he is the water, right? And for the kids, I, the reason I love going into kids' church is because you say these things and they hear them for the very first time. And so, like, their reactions are enormous. And I, you, you guys know that I love big actions, right? Big reactions. I love that stuff. I love the enthusiasm of it. Um, so when I say his, when I said Jesus, one of Jesus' names is the bread, and the kids were like, what? You know, like, bread, what's that all about? And sometimes we, we've heard this stuff too much, you know, I can tell. You, you guys are like, yeah, yeah, come on, get on with a real sermon. But yes, so when we come to the Word, this is our bread and butter that we're looking at here. This, what, when we come to the Word, when we approach it, it's, it's of more sustenance and value than the meal that you'll eat for your dinner tonight. Do you believe that? I hope that's true for us. That's the posture. All right, I have an image that I've worked on this week that I'm going to show you. It's one for this sermon. There you go. I've been uh, doing an image each time I preach. So I'll just, I'll read out a couple of words around this image and then we're just going to jump into it. So what do you march for? Something to think about. What do you march for? You know, whenever mankind goes anywhere... One of the things we love to do, especially on the first time, one of the things we love to do is to take a flag and we love to plant a flag when we go somewhere. It doesn't matter where it is, you know, man's fighting over little chunks of Antarctica. We go there and we plant our flag and we say, you know, now this bit of ice is my bit of ice. Or we go to the moon and the first thing we did when we stepped out on the moon was, you know, the country planted their flag, didn't they? (laughs) This is my moon. (laughs) The flag's such a curious piece of art, you know, these the abstract symbols, just colors and lines and things like that. But I find the flag, you, you plant a flag. When you plant it, something grows out of that flag, you know. Maybe more so if you live in America, you know what I mean? <laughs> that nationalism. Identity grows out from the flag. Every home flying a flag. A nation, a whole nation can grow out of this flag. When I was thinking about this artwork here, though, just this 
image that came into my spirit. I was thinking that, you know, there's some flags that we carry that really can't be planted. Some flags that you need to carry with you everywhere, that you need to actually uphold with you all through your day. Burning a flag is normally something you're not allowed to do. That's normally illegal. <laughs> Let alone a white flag, which is supposed to be a symbol of mercy, a symbol of peace, a symbol of... <laughs> you fly the white flag when you have been <laughs> defeated, <laughs> when you've fought and been defeated. But I just felt like there's this word on this that not everything that burns is burnt. I find, you know, we sing these words, refiner's fire, right? Refiner's fire, my heart's desire. These are some praise songs. I want to be in the fire. When people were around Jesus, they said at their hearts burst a flame in fire at his word. Such curious imagery. I don't think... Apart from Christian, apart from the church, apart from Jesus, I never really talk about that stuff. You know, this is part of the amazing thing about church culture. It gives us this imagery, powerful imagery. Not everything that burns is burnt. And I love, I love like the example here I want to give is that Moses, you might remember Moses. He was commissioned towards freedom, to free God's people. And he had a conversation during his commission. What drew him into that commission was that he had a conversation actually with a burning tree, a burning bush, flaming bush. But it was curious. This bush was curious because although it burnt, it didn't burn down. It wasn't consumed. That symbol, what about that symbol? The tree, the burning that cannot be consumed. What a powerful symbol that is. It called Moses out. It commissioned him to free his brothers and sisters, his family. Today, I'd like to think that that burning bush never stops really calling out to God's people to do the same. That we too are called to set God's people free. To set them free, to carry that flag with us. And again, when I think of this burning bush that can't be quenched, I think that it's about danger being disarmed. Like fire is such a symbol of danger. But did you know when we talk about set me in fire, I want to be in the refiner's fire, the danger is disarmed with God. And that's where this image is coming from. The sacrifice is unconsumable. We are a people of resurrection. We are a people that rise again. We are not a people of fear because when you can resurrect, you don't fear anymore. <laughs> don't even fear death. A lot of fear of death in the world right now, a lot. Jesus won over death, even over death. I believe that when we talk about freedom, I believe that within Australia, in our current context, that freedoms of speech and faith are coming under fire. To support that, I guess we've just had the, what, freedom of religion bill going out. They've needed to create the bill after this many years because it's never been a big enough issue that we would require a bill. 
It was assumed that there would be freedom of religion, but now it has come under contest and battle so much that we've had to create a bill around this thing. So to these many hands holding up this flag, to your many hands, I would say that just because it's on fire, it's not our time to drop these things. It's our time to hold on. We need to hold on to freedom. We need to deepen our trust in this season. I believe there's freedom on the wind. All right. Now I'm just going to get a bit more personal. That was just about that image, but I want to get a bit more personal. I was raised very free. Free range. You know that how people say they raise their kids free range? That's what, that's what parents say. You know, everybody wants, who buys free range eggs? A couple of people, good on you. Well done. You know, like when it comes to buying eggs, you know, we say free range is good. But when it comes to free range parenting, some people are like, oh, isn't that just where you don't do anything? <laughs> just let your kids go. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? I was raised that way. And I'm not used to being fenced in, quite frankly. As a kid on the weekends, I was like, I think that the generation had actually passed, but my parents just kept it going, that, you know, you'd, you'd kind of leave at first light and you'd come back when the street lights come on. That's how I was, that's how I was raised. Anyone else? You with me? That was like the, that was law in my house. It was when the street lights come on, that's your sign. You're to come home. No phones, no nothing. They don't know where I was. That was the law. The street light was the parent. <laughs> some days I would, um, some days, I, I loved it though. Personally, I loved it. Some days I'd actually have this roaming radius, like this in crazy roaming radius. You know, eight, nine years old, I used to go from Kiama Downs into the township of Kiama, out to Jerengong, walk my way into Shell Harbour. I had this, like, I had this freedom just to roam. I loved it. Some days I'd do that, or some days I would just go and climb a cliff when I was young. Didn't ask, just went and did it. It was so freeing. Just because I could, go and scale a cliff. Do, this, is, this might just be me here. Do you ever look up when you're driving? Do you ever look up and see a nice, juicy mountain and think, oh, I'd love to just go climb that mountain? <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, oh, good on you, John. Thanks, mate. Not alone. John's with me. Yeah, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm of the disposition. I don't just love to do it. Sometimes I do do it, and I, lo I love that. that. To me, that's a symbol of freedom. The other thing that to me is a symbol of freedom is like when you see a kid just start dancing. And, you know, the weird thing about dancing for a kid is like you don't, you don't really need to teach a kid how to crawl or how to walk or how to dance, do you? The moment my kids, the moment my kids are on their feet, I didn't have to do much. They just saw me doing it. They wanted to do it. The moment they're on their feet, and then they'd start bopping. Just like that. And I love it. I love it. It's without inhibition. They haven't been told they can't do it yet, so they just do it. Love that. It's freedom. I think if you love life, then you love freedom. Let's, let's, grow me, let's grow up the story a little bit. You know, as you start becoming, you know, a younger man or a younger woman, younger person, freedom becomes something different then. Freedom becomes like you get your mobile phone. 
You remember your first mobile phone, your first telephone. Maybe you were just buying a home. You got your first telephone in the house. You thought you'd made it. Real grown up now. I've got a telephone. <laughs> maybe your freedom was getting your car. Can go where I want now. Maybe your freedom was moving out of home and it was, you know, this is my place. My stuff. Put up what I want. I was 17 when I moved out of home, and I fast realized there's this age-old idiom that freedom isn't free. I don't actually like that saying too much, but when I was 17, I realized it because, you know what, the mobile phone required me to pay the bill, and the car required me to put in the petrol, <laughs> and the, the home required me to pay the the rent, exactly. And even my body required me to feed it, you know, come on, <laughs> can't escape it anywhere. So this freedom business was very quite expensive. I remember on one particularly low occasion, uh, I was living in a home full of guys, like you do when you first move out of home, because you can't afford to live by yourself. Anyway, there I was, and I was kind of like watching one of them eating this potato for their dinner, and I was kind of hungrily like licking my chops because I knew that that night I actually couldn't afford to eat dinner. So I was free in that instance. I was free to starve. <laughs> I was free. I was free to starve. <laughs> For many young people turning 18, turning 18, it's the epitome of freedom. And you, you're like, finally, I'm an adult. I'm in charge, finally. Maybe it's not anymore, but this is, you know, I'm just thinking my thoughts here. Now, but what's the first thing that 18-year-olds do when they generally turn 18? First thing in Australia they do. What do I do? Yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> I, li I like the optimistic ones, yeah. I know, I know, for the sake of, like, polarizing the audience, let's go with the negative one because we've got to, you know... I'd say a lot of 18-year-olds, especially those that aren't affiliated with the church, would go to the pub, might make a mistake, might get drunk. A lot of 18-year-olds, at least a lot I knew, did that. You know, for, within mankind, you know, like we fall into this danger that sin becomes like our epitome of freedom. I can do what I want. I can go where I want. I can be who I want. No consequence. That wanting to be godlike, no consequence. In the Garden of Eden, you know, it says we were free to eat from any tree in the Garden of Eden, except one. Except one. I wonder, you know, I wonder if we were in this room right now and I said, you're free to sit in any of these chairs. You can't sit in that one. <laughs> and then you just set the clock and you just wait. You know, I wonder. I think it's like cheese on a mousetrap. The other thing that came to me when I was writing this is I thought, you know, I thought about young people again and I thought, We've got freedom to talk about anything. And, you know, for some people, they can't get past the F word. There's this whole alphabet. 
But the one word you're not supposed to say, right? And it gets said all the time. This is some of the dangers. See, with freedom comes responsibility. We've actually got to, when you're free, you're free to say whatever you want. There's consequences to that. You are responsible to that. What are you growing? Is it of benefit? Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? Are you going to starve if you use all your rent money on that thing? And if you move out of home too early, you know. So today we're talking about freedom. It's a topic very close to my heart. I think it's very close to the nerve in Australia right now. I think may God increase our grace and unity in this topic. If I had to identify a singular trait for which I would love City Church MacArthur to be known, I have to say it's got to be freedom for me. Freedom. That moment when you meet Jesus and the, all those burdens just fall off and you feel so light, so joyful, so hopeful. Anything's possible in that moment when you first meet Jesus. Anything is possible. You know, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna say this, but like, I, it doesn't even make sense in the sermon. But I just really feel like I want to say this because I don't know if I'm prophesying or what here. But I just want to say that when anyone walks through that door, I don't want us to burden them up. I want us to actually lift things in their life. I want us to actually bring freedom into their life. And I feel I've really specifically got to say here as well, even around people who are really struggling with their identity. If someone comes in and they're struggling with, they don't know if they're a man, they're a woman. They don't know if they're, they don't know if they're struggling with their sexuality as well. I just want them to be able to meet Jesus here without having to go through the crowd that's saying, no, you know what? You're not allowed to see in Jesus. You're not holy enough to come in to see Jesus. I want this to be the church that ushers them in. And, you know, we've got to do a little bit of groundwork before that person arrives. We don't, need to, we don't need to just wait for a drag queen to walk through that door to say to ourselves, how will we be when we stand before someone like that? How can I find a space in my heart to bring love to that person, to bring Jesus to that person? We don't actually need to just be responsive like that. We can actually be proactive. And we can say, I don't care who walks through that door. I, God is going to, God loves that person. I, I already know that. The challenge is how can I connect with the heart of God for that person? And I tell you, when, when you start feeling God's heart for them, when you get that word of knowledge for that person, when you see that glimpse of who God created them to be, you won't even see any of the other stuff anymore. Can we agree to be that kind of church? See, that really excites me, church. That really excites me that we can be that. That really encourages me to be able to invite anyone through that door. I believe it will happen. I believe it's a prophetic word over today. We're going to be seeing these things. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, how would I actually be if that happened right now? Because I, what I don't want to hear is I don't want to hear the jokes and the whispers and the things like that when those people come in. You know, they're so attuned to attacks from people. They're so attuned to rejection that quite often they're driven deeper into the culture of sin because they feel no one else can love me. 
And so they find people with the same flavor of sin that will spur them on into darkness. We could spur them on to their created purpose, to freedom. We need to be able to provide an alternative for people. All right. That was just my heart, but now let's get into the word. There was a man in Colossae. His name was Philemon. Heard of him before? Yep, good. This man was a man that you might not like in our church. He was a slave trader. But then he met another man, godly man, named Paul. Might have heard of him too. And Paul converted Philemon to Christianity. Woo! Good job. Paul was doing what we just agreed to do. He found a pathway for even a slave trader to access the freedom of Jesus. And here's a little thing that I might add to this. Actually, I'll add it later. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Philemon had a slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus actually escaped from Philemon and he ran from Colossae to Rome where by some providence, guess who he finds there? The same man that gets around town. Paul wasn't in Colossae anymore. He was in Rome doing the apostle thing. And Onesimus thought he was running away, but he was just running right to where God wanted him. Because Paul now converts not only the master, but he's converted the slave. Anesimus served Paul for some time. The two grew very close to the point that Paul actually refers to Anesimus. When he refers to him, it's really beautiful. He says, Anesimus, my very heart. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That's awesome. My very heart. Like, who in your life could you say that? Maybe your partner, you know. Anesimus, my very heart. Again, these are things you only find in the church. You only find people saying that thing about each other. In, I feel like in this context, complete strangers saying that about each other. However, so they've got this beautiful relationship. Anesimus, my very heart. However, under the Holy Spirit's conviction and with great sorrow, Paul later encourages the runaway slave, Anesimus, to return back to his slave bonds and his former master, Philemon, so as to make recompense and to demonstrate the transformative power of the gospel. Is there alarm bells ringing? Can you hear them? How dare Paul, within current society, that's what we say about these things. We say, how dare he? This isn't the gospel. Isn't the gospel to free people? Why would Paul be urging Anesimus to return back to his slavery? Something's wrong here. Now, I want you to imagine, to pretend for a second, that you're actually Philemon, the slave owner. I know that might be hard for you. Just pretend for a second that you're him. Imagine you're Anesimus returning many years later. This is a person that you have trapped, that you have called your slave, that you have likely mistreated, belittled, abused. You've seen as lesser than yourself. And to have them willingly return to you, 
with forgiveness in their eyes. What kind of a man would that be? You know, what kind of a man is that that returns back to his slaver, to his slavery, that re goes into a corrupt system again, enters in, takes himself back in there freely, freely returns to not freedom? What kind of a man is that? Does that boggle your mind? Boggles my mind. It's the gospel. What kind of a man tastes freedom only, only to return to shackles? I think it's a man who understands that there's a deeper freedom. I think it's a man with a key. <laughs> to me, that's just such a powerful image. I want to talk about that key for a little bit. <laughs> I might not mind someone putting my hands in shackles if I had a key. What do you reckon? If you had the key, you wouldn't mind. It's kind of funny. You just undo it. Check it out. It's the key. Do you know you've got a key? We've got a key, actually, that unlocks, actually unlocks your ability to understand the meaning of life, this key. It actually unlocks the shackles of death or even life itself. Jesus, Jesus, the man, is the key. He holds the keys. He freely, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and he freely shares it with you. You've got a key. <laughs> I think sometimes for the Christians, sometimes the most frustrating thing is that when people come to you and you have the key and you, you know, they come to you and they're, they're, they're bound, you can see they're bound, Right? And then you unshackle the key and you free them. And then you come back a, a little bit later and they're back bound again. <laughs> and, you, and you're like, you're like, what happened? You were free. <laughs> what happened? I, I, to, to anyone that that's resonating with, I want to tell you, you, you know what? You just keep, you keep freeing them. <laughs> you just keep freeing them. They keep coming back and you just say, you know what? You reflect it to them. You say, you don't need to be wrestling with that thing anymore. You don't need to be doing that anymore. You can be free. They need to be wrestling with unforgiveness. They need to be wrestling with hate. You don't need to be wrestling with addiction. There's a key. There's a, the chain breaker. There's a release. There's a key. I think it's that easy, actually. I think people try and make it hard. I think it's actually easy that Jesus releases from those things. So when we make it hard, we get confused. Just keep it simple. You just soak yourself in Jesus. Just every part of who he is. You know, when we're made in the image of God, we're talking then about Jesus. Talking about the image that you want to hold. It's the person of Jesus. Don't make it complicated, a series of rules. We're not Pharisees in this place, but we are to be Christ-like. Consider the person of Jesus and then follow him, become like him, do what he does. Use that key. Use that key. 
I'm running out of time. All right. So this man had a deeper understanding of freedom. He was returning to his master, his slave master. And I think this is the point. This, this story is actually talking about a paradox of freedom, of free speech, where it's like, well, what if someone uses their free speech to talk over me, to shut me up? What if someone uses their freedom to take my freedom away? Should I therefore take their freedom away so they can't take my freedom away? See how it starts getting messy? <laughs> you know, some of those, back to this idea of, freedom being sin. So many of those people that chase these liberties of sin, this fluidity, I can do whatever I want, no consequence. Some of the people that chase that, they're so busy trying to put other people in chains. You can't say that to me. You can't pray for me. You know, that's where it's got to in Australia. Let's get a bit of, there needs to be a little bit of a righteous anger stirring in the church. Just a little bit. There needs to be a little bit of flavor of that because it's got to the point where pastors are being put in jail for praying for people. What kind of, uh, what kind of a nation are we a part of? Our freedoms are actually beginning to be challenged in a way never before, and it is not right. There should be an indignation in this, in this country, in this place. There should be an indignation. That is not right. The good news is I have to tell you that about all of these things, the gospel is so much higher. The freedom of Jesus and the freedom of the gospel is so much above, above all this. To the point where the slave is heading back. For the sake of the gospel, the slave is heading back to their master. But he didn't go empty-handed, and I want to say what Paul sent with him. Paul sent with him a letter. That's the letter of Philemon. I can't find where I'm up to. It doesn't matter. Paul sent the letter of Philemon with him. <laughs> a letter to Philemon. It wasn't called Philemon then. It was just a letter. <laughs> and Anesimus not only met Philemon, but he gave him this letter. Now, one of the things I want to say here, because I want to talk to what's real. One of the things I want to say here is, why did he send a letter? He sent a letter because it's probably going to be a challenge for Philemon. Because if Philemon was just going to do all of these things, he might not have required a letter. Paul was a very spiritual man. Paul had many gifts upon his life. He sent a letter because Philemon likely required a letter. <laughs> okay. So the slave, the slave owner, although freed by the power of the gospel, may still have been struggling with some of these principles of control. For all we know, he may still have been a slave owner, and that's why the letter was required. And see, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is challenging things, and these are things we're navigating in our society right now, is that how can you be a Christian and still be a slave owner? It doesn't reconcile with our comprehension and yet, Paul, I would encourage you, take the time this week to read Philemon and look how gently Paul says, I'm not going to, he said, I have the authority to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to plead to you on account of love. 
And he, he says, his contact, he says, I'm enslaved, I'm a slave to the gospel. He says, I'm in prison right now. I'm writing this from imprisonment and I'm asking you, set Onesis free. Set him free. Remember your own freedom. The person that was a slave can become a brother. The person that your unforgiveness towards someone can hold them, can bind them up and hold them in that place and hold you in that place where bitterness takes a hold, where hate takes a hold, where an anger that is not righteous takes a hold. You've got the key. You can free this person. You can call the estranged family member, the estranged friend, your, even your enemy. You can call them brother and sister by releasing them, by giving them their freedom back. I'll get you to stand to your feet. Let me speak some scripture over you just really quickly. Isaiah 61.1, the commission of God's people to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Amen? Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not let the forces that would seek to steal our freedoms, steal our freedoms. Stand firm. It's not talking about physical chains. It's talking about religion. It's talking about condemnation. Galatians 2.4, a matter arose amongst some false believers infiltrating our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Jesus and to make us slaves. We need to be careful. We need to be shrewd. So many forces right now are seeking to bind up our religious freedoms. We need to be very proactive in the spirit, standing firm on the word of God and the authority of our freedom. I love what David says in Psalm 119.45. It says, I, w- I walk about in freedom. <laughs> David's, who knows that David's the free guy, man? He's, this guy's like next level free. <laughs> he said, I walk about in freedom. Why? Because I have sought your precepts. I walk about in freedom before God because I have a relationship with God. I have a prayer life with God. I read the Word. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I'm so free. Because of that, you know, other people are going to, this world, other people, all of those things, we're in a fallen world, they're going to try and load you up with so many burdens. And right now, more than ever, I'm telling you, you need to be seeking God's precepts. Seek His will. Walk in your calling. Walk in faith. And in that moment, when they try and burden you, when they try and condemn you, it's like water off a duck's back. you're You're in your freedom. I'll get you to close your eyes where you are. not going to do a prayer line today. I'm just going to give you a quick opportunity right now. If you've been struggling, feeling free, if you're feeling stuck, every eye is closed. If you're feeling stuck, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Yep. See that. Come on. There's a couple of others here. Yep. Yep. See those hands. Yep. Who else? Yeah. You know, Jesus didn't come for us to get stuck. No. I think that the crazy thing is, is that we have access to all freedom. 
It's right there. For those, I just want you to raise your hands again, both hands this time. Just the people that raise their hands. Both hands. And I want you just, I'm just going to pray for you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, Father. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for what I'm getting wrong in this process, God. Lord, I know you've got the freedom, Father. The problem here is me. It's not you, it's me, Lord. I I get that, Father. I want a deeper freedom. I'm desperate for it, God. I don't want to be stuck. I want to be following. (laughs) Lord, and I pray, Father, not only will you help me unstuck, Father, but you'll help me give that freedom and give that forgiveness to those around me, Lord. Take that pain, Father. Take that anger, Lord. I know you took it to the cross, God. Take it once and for all, God. Lord, we need you, God. We need you. Lord, we can't can't do life, Lord, when you are life, God. We need you for this life thing, God. Help us, Lord. Lord, I pray this church, Father, for everyone here, whether they raise their hands or not, Father, I pray, Lord, I just speak an impartation, an anointing of freedom in this place, Lord. I pray no matter who walks through that door, Lord, that they will just feel, you know what, I I feel home here. I feel more free. I I never even had a home. I never even had parents that love me, and I feel all that here, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that people can access their heart and get that healing that they need, Father. I pray true community. I pray true love, Father. Lord, help us be a part of that, Father. Convict us, Father, to do your work, Father. Convict us, I pray, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can't understand these things, God, but we know, Lord, you are moving in this place, Father. We are excited, Father, to see the MacArthur freed, to see Australia free again, God. Amen.